oftentimes, by the way, we're not actually clapping for the worship band, right? We are actually praising the Lord with our hands, right? And that is, that is good. That is right. Um, and at the same time, I just want to thank the, the band. They work really, really hard, and especially the band um, that was there this morning. They, again, we put in some, some good hours prepping, and I know that there's several guys, um, Lewis and Ben and Hilton in particular, who, uh, who are now playing tonight, and they played this morning. And it was just a long, it was a long day, but it was a very good day. And I, I know from knowing them and how much fun this morning was that, that they loved that. But I just want to just thank them and commend the band. Um, you guys are doing a fantastic job. So, um, but all those on, on stage tonight, too, I mean, you guys are just really killing it. So I'm really grateful. How many of you guys were there this morning and saw also those VBS singers? Okay. I don't <laughs> For those that didn't raise your hands, you're like, uh, don't look at me. Um, so if you did see it, the... They did some incredible songs with a whole bunch of kids on stage because they were showcasing VBS for the week, which is this next week of VBS, right? And I was really enjoying their songs. In fact, I, when we did a run-through earlier in the morning, and so I, I sat just to make sure I understood their flow so that I knew when our band was going to get on. And I found myself actually being encouraged and ministered to by the songs that they were singing. There was one song in particular, where backstage, all of us were kind of like, man, this, Hilton's words were, this song is fire. Uh, and I was like, that is the right word for this song. And if you were, uh, it was the song, if you guys were there, that was like the fight song. And so the video was like all of these kids, they, they all had like camo on and like the stuff on their face. I don't know what you call those black marks under their eyes, a war paint. Um, which, yeah, so, and, and then they had these, like, kind of mean faces, not mean, but serious, but, you know, kind of, like, scary, I was like, wow, these kids are serious, right, but some of the words to that song uh, were really incredible, actually, to the point that when they were playing that song, I kind of, you know, walking into it, this is my first time leading the church as a whole on a Sunday morning, it's a little bit intimidating, uh, and it should be, and I was just encouraged by some of those words, right? I, you know, I am ultimately living not on bread alone. I'm not fighting flesh and blood, but ultimately my faith comes and, and my fight is in trusting Jesus Christ. And, th- and so I mentioned it, I don't know if you also saw this morning, to, to Rhonda. Now, Rhonda was the queen on stage this morning, and she's pretty incredible. She happens to also be going to Fayetteville. There's a group of us going to Fayetteville. And Rhonda is one of them, and she's going to be helping us lead a VBS in Fayetteville as well. But I just mentioned to her, man, I, I, those, those kids did it incredible, and I love that song. And, and she looked at me, and she said, you know, the very best part of, of, of everything that we're doing is that these words are getting into these kids so that when they walk away and they go home, their parents come to us saying, we know the songs now. Because our kids can't stop singing them and talking about them in the homes. And they are really catchy songs, right? But, but I was thinking about that, and she had the right perspective. that These songs were getting into the, the kids to the point that they internalized them. And that's how I'm, oftentimes media kind of, that's what it does to us in, in a lot of senses. I mean, how many of you guys have ever had a favorite song that you just put on repeat and... <laughs> Drew's going to be like, me. <laughs> I know, yeah. By a raise of hands. But, you know, I, I think most of us would probably say when we, when we, we'll go through a phase where we just find a song and it's our song all of a sudden. 
and then we just can't get enough of it for like a certain amount of time. And then we, we know every word, we know the song that comes after it on the CD. I don't know if you guys still have CDs, but that, that used to be a thing. Uh, but you just know that song so well. And actually, a similar thing happens with movies. So I don't know if this is, my family was like this, where we, there were certain movies that we watched just a ton. So like The Emperor's New Groove was one of those movies. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. So that, you know, once you watch that enough times with the same group of people, it becomes more than something that you internalize, but actually within the group, it becomes the vocabulary that you use. And so then it gets to the point where you don't even have to like say an entire quote. You just put on Kronk's voice and suddenly, you know, I, I, you, just, you just say one word and everyone knows exactly what you're talking about, right? I'm blanking on Kronk quotes. Anybody have a Kronk quote? It's all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all coming together. I love that. Um, so, so, yeah, Emperor's New Groove. Uh, so here's, here's where I'm heading with this. The Word of God in, in Scripture, the Word of God is, is supposed to get into us like that. Okay? It's supposed to actually infiltrate us so that we internalize it to that degree. So that when we are talking to each other, it is literally just coming out of us, right? It's the first thing that pops into mind is that quote from Emperor's New Groove. No, actually, <laughs> it's the Bible, right? It's, okay, this actually applies to this situation. That is the way that Scripture talks about itself. It says, you need to know this inside and out. You need to know this so well that you can recite it to yourself day in and day out. So you can recite it to yourself when you're literally laying on your bed at night. This is what's going through your head. And so it's not that we should just read the word. It's not even just that we should let it wash over us from time to time. It's more like the word is something that we should live and breathe and digest so that it becomes a part of us. The, we've been going through this series, Rhythms, if, you, if this is one of your first times with us, and I kind of introduced it a couple weeks ago. Last week, Joel started in Psalm 119 just with a basic, uh, very good exposition saying I mean, the word of God is so powerful and so good. We just have to run to it for all of these things. It is so good. And I'm going to just take that one step further today and say not only should we be in the word daily, but we should be memorizing it. All right? I believe that there are few spiritual disciplines so fraught with power to change your life as memorization of scripture. I think this is one of the most powerful things you can do. And I'm not alone in this. I uh, was actually in an airport in December, and I had this encounter that actually changed the course of my spring. Because when my wife and I were, it was a late night, and, I, and all the flights were starting to get delayed. This was around the same time that Southwest was having tons of problems. And so thankfully, we were not flying Southwest, but everything was, was just totally messed up. And so we ended up just waiting an extra hour or so. And there was another couple standing nearby who also had a baby with them, and they were also delayed. And so we started talking, and it quickly became apparent that we both wanted to talk about Jesus, and we both wanted to convert each other. And it's like, okay, we're both believers, actually, and this is fantastic. Uh, and, but it didn't take him very long. To, to start talking about his church. So they actually live here. They live in Durham. But his pastor 
uh, is one who is a huge proponent of memorizing entire books of the Bible, okay? And so he was talking about his pastor as someone who's memorized, you know, multiple books of both the Old Testament and the New Testament and who really teaches others how to do that. And so one of the things that he gave me was this PDF about how to do that. And I was like, huh. So I read it and I started putting that into practice and that's why I say actually my spring was changed because as we were going through Genesis, I decided I'm going to try and memorize Genesis 1 through 3. And one thing that he said and that I would, I would agree with is he said, this has been one of the most powerful things for spiritual transformation in my life since I started because, because I'm literally ingesting the word of God and it's right there. When we, when we do that, what we're doing is we are putting a living weapon into the hands of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So the Holy Spirit is in you. And the word of God is described as the sword of the Spirit. And to the degree that you know scripture in your mind, what you are doing is you're giving handholds, and you can almost think of them as individual swords for the Spirit to use in the battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And that is just incredibly powerful when the spirit has those weapons so memorizing scripture is like stocking an arsenal and not something that where you have to like okay i think there's a verse about this i'm going to look it up on my phone but in a moment in the moment of trial temptation the need to encourage another brother or sister in christ that sword is ready so i want you to go to psalm 1 Psalm 1, and we're going to talk about really what makes the difference between a righteous person and a wicked one, between a wise man and a foolish one. And this is how really the Psalter, the book of Psalms, opens up. This is where it starts. Uh, it's actually interesting when you get into the, Psalm, the book of Psalms, you'll, you'll notice that the order... It is intentional, okay? Now, there's some debate about whether that order is inspired. I think that we can at least say that the order of the Psalms was put together by someone who was very wise and did it for a reason. And when we open up the book of Psalms, we see right off the bat, it's, uh, it, I think some have described it as the gateway of the Psalms. And it's almost like it is a gate. And on the top of that gate are written these words that basically says, Blessed are those who read this book and who read the law of the Lord in general. Man, happy are they. Okay? It's almost, I mean, kind of like if you were to open up any book and the, and the first thing that you read was, blessed are you for opening up this book. That's kind of what Psalm 1 is. It's this introduction that commends the entire book of Psalms and the Bible as a whole to you and to us. So, the question I want to ask, I want you to be asking as we read through this is, what does the blessed man, and we can include or woman, the person, what, what does this blessed person do that's different than the wicked person in the psalm? Only, only really one thing is mentioned. One thing is pointed to. There's one key difference. So I'm going to read the whole psalm here. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. That's that gateway to the Psalms. Here's the first thing I want you to know before you enter this songbook of your life. The first thing. And so, I hope you you noted it, well, I'm going to get there. So let, let's, talk, let's talk about what it says not to do first, right? Blessed is the man who walks not and nor and nor. So there's these three things. And just quickly, let's just walk through these. So he walks not in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit. Now notice there's kind of a progression here. First, he kind of, uh, here we go. Here's a, uh, a guy. He's walking, all right? Now, he's also walking in the council, so I'm going to draw a big ear on him. That's an ear. <laughs> and the idea is he is listening to evil people, and he's starting to do what they tell him to do. He's walking in their council, okay? But then it gets worse, okay? Now he's, well, he's moving here. <laughs> and now, okay, what's the next thing? He stands in the way of sinners, okay? So now... He's not just doing what they say. He's actually doing it with them. In other words, maybe he was walking by them and kind of starting to do some things like they did. Now he's hanging out with them. He's spending time in their company. He's getting comfortable there. And then, now the last piece, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. There it is. He's in a chair. In a chair. There we go. All right, now this is interesting. Actually, he's sad. <laughs> so this is interesting because sitting, uh, on the one hand, we, again, we see this progression, walking, standing, sitting, getting more and more comfortable in the company of evildoers. On the other hand, we also see sitting is often the language used of a teacher. So think of in the New Testament, for example, you know, Jesus sat down and taught them. And that was just the tradition, the traditional way of teaching. So it's, I think you could almost say, that this could be referring to him actually beginning to teach others to do that thing. So even worse, right? So now he started out by just starting to listen to some of the things that they said, okay? He started saying, you know what, that, that one thing that they do is pretty cool, and I think they're right about that. I'm going to start doing, living my life in that way. And then one step further, I'm going to start hanging out with them. I'm going to get cool in their circles. And then finally, okay, I'm going to start being one of their leaders, right? That is the progression of, of someone who, be, who, who walks away from the Lord ultimately. Okay, so we get this is, a, this is a big no, right? Don't do this. But then I, I really want to emphasize and spend some time on, on this. This is the one thing that it says to do. What does the righteous person do? The man, the blessed man, and actually before I get there, let me go back to this word blessed. Um, there's a couple different words used for blessed, and this one really directly translates happy. Does anyone have a translation that has happy? 
Happy is the man. All right. Nice. Down it goes. So, uh, and it's almost like, well, just to make this a little bit more vivid, it, it's, it's more like saying, man, it would be so good to be that guy. That's the one I want to be. That's the person I want to be like. Blessed, happy. That's, that, this is the picture of the, of the person that we want to be like. And so the, the Psalter is saying, this is, this is who you should set on your pedestal. This is the person you should try to imitate. And ultimately, they're just describing them as, as happy. What do they do? Okay, two things. Someone call it the first one. I see two things in verse two. Delight, yes. They delight in the law. Now, quick side note on the law. This can sometimes refer to the law proper, as in the thing that God gave to Moses on Sinai. It can also refer slightly more broadly to the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, right? Genesis through Deuteronomy. And then lastly, it can also more broadly refer to the whole of the counsel of God, that is, the word of God. And, and here, especially the way that it's placed in, in, in the Psalms, as Psalm 1 heading up the rest of the Psalms, I think it's proper to say, when we, when we talk about the law of the Lord, we're talking about anything that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we're talking about scripture in general. I think that's a, that's a very valid way to read this, and, and we should take it that way. So he's delighting in, in scripture, taking delight in it. We talked a couple of weeks ago about joy, right? And ultimately how important it is that we not only obey God, but that we enjoy obeying God. That's such an important piece of it. Because which of you would, let's say, take your dad out to lunch on Father's Day and make him pay? No, uh, take your dad out to lunch on Father's Day and just do it so grudgingly, but you're like, I'm doing this for you, dad. But so often we obey like that. We're like, God, I don't like this, but I'm going to do it anyway. But frankly, that doesn't bring God as much glory. Now, he might still be pleased that you're trying. But frankly, it brings him so much more glory when we recognize the privilege it is to obey God. The privilege it is to bring him glory. That he's just giving us that opportunity. And so we should be delighting it. We should be loving it. We should be enjoying it. And that's, that's the idea here. We actually not only should memorize scripture and, and, and spend time in scripture for, for the benefits it's going to give us, but we should be praying that the Lord gives us a, a true delight in and almost a taste for, an appetite for it, so that we enjoy it. It's described in Psalm 119 as honey, right? The very sweetest thing. That's, that's the word of the Lord. So first we, we delight in it. To, to bring us back to that illustration of a song that you love, right? Before you know that song inside and out, it catches your attention, right? It hooks you and you say, I love this song. And then it's not hard to memorize it. You're not thinking of that as a chore anymore, right? So the first step is really delighting in the law. But then what's number two? Meditates. He meditates on it. He spends time in it. Day and night. Important note on meditation. We often think about meditation in kind of the Eastern religion terms where the primary principle there is to empty your mind. That's how they think about meditation. 
and they think that peace is going to come from, from emptying your mind of yourself and anything else. That is not Christian meditation. Christian meditation is filling your mind with the word of God. And then, and then that changes you from the inside out. So when, when and it speaks of meditating, it's speaking of filling your mind with it and then sitting in it like you're steeping tea, okay? Like we're the water and the word of God is the tea bag. It's not just like a dip. That would just be terrible. Tea is almost tasteless as it is, right? You need to leave it in there and, and let it, you know, let some of the flavor out. Are there any tea drinkers in here? Okay, good for you guys. Good for you. No, I like tea sometimes. Um, but you have to steep the tea, right? And it's the same with the word of God. We, we, we have to spend time in it. And that's what this meditation is really referring to. I totally lost everyone's attention when I mentioned tea. Very good. Okay, so, so these are the marks. This is really what this entire psalm is about. And, and what the entire psalm hinges on is this idea that the thing, the one thing that this psalm talks about, it's not, ta- notice this, it's not saying, all right, if you read your Bible more, it's not saying if you, if you pray more, right? It could, be t- it could talk about prayer. Prayer is really, really good, right? It doesn't even talk about serving others, right? The first step is to steep yourself in God's word. And then it gives us an illustration of it right here. He is like a tree. And I love this because I can draw it. I also love it because it's a, a ready illustration. So here we go. Not my worst tree ever. Sometimes this goes really bad. Like in practice, it looks like a great tree. And then later on, it's just a terrible tree. But this looks pretty good. So he is like a tree planted by streams of water. That's a stream. And I'm going to draw some water in it. Beautiful. You guys catching, catching the vision? Okay. This is the picture that the psalmist wants us to, to bring to mind. You might bring to mind even a more beautiful picture than mine <laughs> of a tree planted by a stream. And you can almost picture the, the roots of this tree going down into the stream. Because that's the point. It's, it's constantly watered by the stream. Okay, so if this is the analogy the psalmist is bringing to mind, then what's the tree? The person. Okay, what's the water? Nice. <laughs> Scripture. Nice. Killing it over there, man. Okay. That's right. The tree is you and me, and the water is Scripture. It's the Word. And again, this is just that, that perfect picture of being steeped in it, of soaking it up, right? It, it's not just a tree that gets watered by some good rain occasionally. No, this is a tree that is constantly watered by the Word, and it's constantly in the Word. It never takes itself out. And so I really think this is a, this is a picture of that day and night principle all the time it's all the time and i love the way that um it describes the results of this all right so we get again two results i think and then almost a summary of this whole fantastic situation so what is the first result of this tree planted by streams of water Yes, I'm going to summarize that by saying fruitful. But yeah, it yields its fruit in its season. It yields the fruit it's supposed to. It's not that fig tree that Jesus cursed. Remember that story? He's walked by a fig tree that wasn't yielding its fruit, and he curses it. And it was a, it was a, a picture, right? And so it's a, it's a similar thing here. And also we think of John 15, 
or, or Jesus says, abide in me. Abide in me, right? And let my words abide in you. And his promise in John 15 is, and you'll bear much, what? Fruit. I think he might have had Psalm 1 in mind. So it's fruitful. And secondly, it yields its fruit. What's, the, what's number two? It doesn't wither, all right? So I'm going to just uh, summarize that by saying resilient. It's resilient in the face of heat. You guys can picture a scorching day like today. Uh, they would have, I'm sure, far worse in the, in the region of Israel, right? And you needed constant irrigation like this or else you're in danger at least of a tree withering. So what's the summary? The summary statement at the end of verse 3. Yes. Now, I want you to think about that phrase. In all that he does, he prospers. Are you guys thinking about it? <laughs> Are you meditating on it? <laughs> In all, I mean, this sounds like the prosperity gospel, doesn't it? This sounds like we could take this a million ways that are wrong, but also, this is what he's saying. In, in all that he does, he prospers? That's a crazy promise being made. And I don't think that it's misleading. I think we could certainly take it the wrong way. I don't think it's promising that you're going to make a ton of money or that you're going to go your life without suffering. But in some sense, in the ways that matter, you're going to prosper. You're going to be happy, blessed. So, all he does, he prospers. So this is the picture we get. And now you might be thinking to yourself, okay, sure, yes, we should be in the word. But does that mean really that we should be memorizing it? Yes. All right, that's all I have to say. No, I'm going to try and prove it, okay? So I want to pr prove to you that, that, I, that this is what it's talking about. Um, by just a couple ways. And how many of you guys have a, a paper copy of the word of God, the sword in your hand? Raise your hand, actually, because I'm curious. Okay. For all of you who have it, you're about to be rewarded because you have the opportunity to play the game called a sword drill. All right? I love sword drills. <laughs> and by the way, it works really well with, with our theme here, which is that the word of God is a sword, right? So um, there's a couple scriptures that I want us to just look at together that I think really support the idea that Scripture not only commends scripture memorization, but I would say even commands, commands it. Not only should you be reading it, but you should be remembering it, right? So, um, are you ready for the first one? When, so by the way, rules. Thank you, Lewis. Rules for sword drills, okay? The first rule is that you can't open your Bible ahead of time or keep your finger in the Bible whatsoever. So you can't, like, you know, keep your finger in Matthew 1 so you know Old Testament, New Testament. No. Totally shut. You're holding it by the spine, I believe, is the correct. Yes, exactly. So everyone hold up your, your sword. <laughs> Phones. It doesn't count, but I encourage you to go to the scripture anyway, okay? I actually was going to bring some Bibles. I'm sorry, I forgot. Um, okay, good. Everyone's got your Bible? Okay. The first person to stand up and read it is the winner. What's that? All right. Am I forgetting any good rules, any important ones? Is this going to work? Okay. Are you ready? Proverbs 7, 3. 
Are you really? All right, you have to read it. Sweet. All right. I'm going to give it for Rachel. Very good job. All right. Yes. Uh, let's see if I've got it pulled up over here. I'm going to read the context um, of this. So this is Proverbs 7, and I'm going to read just 1 through 3. So, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. With, yeah, with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Okay, the heart in scripture is like your, your command center. It's the command center of your being, okay? And this, this picture of writing these commands on the tablet of your heart, well, a tablet, you don't, it didn't have Sharpies back then. They, they literally like carved it into it, right? So carve the words into your heart is what uh, probably Solomon in this case is telling his son. Like, remember these words, okay? So if someone told you this, I don't think you'd think, okay, I got a general gist of what you said. We're good. No, it's a carve it onto your heart. I don't know how he could say this much more vividly to try to communicate. Remember this. All right, next one. You guys ready? Uh, there's one more rule I remembered, and that is you can't actually start opening to the passage until, I, yeah, I think I need to say go. Is that right? Okay, so I'm going to say the entire reference, and then I'm going to say go. And you can think about how you're going to get there. All right, here we go. So don't go until I say go. After I say the scripture reference. <laughs> scripture reference, then the word go. Okay. Deuteronomy 6, verse Six. I did not say the word. Go. <laughs> that word. <laughs> ben, I was so clear. Read, read, read. There it is. Good job. So this is in the context of what is known as the Shema. Hear, O Israel. It's one of the most important passages to uh, Jewish people um, and Jewish believers as well. But it's, uh, it's, it's the, it contains the greatest commandment. So I'm going to read from verse 4 in chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now note, pause. Okay, he just gave the great commandment. And now he's about to explain how to basically obey. How do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might? Verse 6, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And then he describes it in more detail. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, and they'll be as frontlets between your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Wow, okay, pretty serious. The degree to which we should know these, because note that you can't do any of those things, or most of them, uh, like for example, walking by the way. You can't do that if you, even, well, let me make a quick point. In their day, they didn't have Bibles, right? They had, especially at the time of this, 
and Deuteronomy, they had scrolls and very few of them. And oftentimes, the people wouldn't be able to hear the word of God throughout the week except for the regular teaching of it and the remembering of it, right? So it's not as if they had a phone they could whip out and, and look at a, script, a, a passage of scripture before they teach it to their kids. They, they had to remember it so they could teach their kids. And, and how much more so uh, when they're walking, when they're lying down, when they're rising. Basically, it's describing the in and out patterns of their day. They got to remember it, right? Let's keep moving. You guys ready? Next, next one. Okay. Psalm, now remember, don't go until I say, until I say go. Psalm 119, 119, verse 11. Go. <laughs> you got to read it. You keep going. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I've okay, so uh, by the way, so for some reason, multiple people have stood and then hesitated. You have to get done with the verse first as well. Okay, so it could be that multiple people stand up. Whoever finishes the verse, all right, but it has to be, you know, like you're actually reading it. All right, so Psalm 119, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored it up in my heart. What does store up mean except for remembering it, memorizing it, knowing it, right? And so all of these, by the way, are, are references. The reason I grouped them together, I'm going to use just a couple uh, little pictures here. This, this first one is the picture of the heart, okay? It's, it's, these are just a few examples of this imagery of the heart. Write these words on your heart. Next one. You ready? We have another one. We're not quite done. We have two more, all right? This is a different image, but I want it to, to resonate here. So for all those that are ready, Matthew 4, 4, go. Very good. <laughs> Excellent job. Yeah, we can give a hand for that. That was just like, that was pretty darn fast. Yes. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. <laughs> just some celebration going on. Oh, yes, that's what that is over there. <laughs> so uh, this is actually that song, right? The fight song this morning used those words. I don't live by bread alone. No, oh. So good. So good. Fire. Uh, but, uh, but that's, if you think about that analogy, the word of God then is being likened to bread and bread is something that you eat and you ingest and you digest and it literally becomes a part of you, right? That's the image being used. So if I could just add this little, little thing and I'm going to draw some bread. Yeah. It's pretty good bread. Thanks guys. I practiced that one. All right. Last one. You guys ready? Last, uh, last sword drill here. Colossians 3.16. Go. Lewis, you're, you started. Yo, you just know it? All right. You, if you know it. I don't think that's it. 16.
Good job. Wow. Wow. How many of you won at this point? Okay. Grand, grand prize goes to you. I was going to bring candy to throw at you, but just um, come to me afterward. I'll, I'll get, you, get you some popcorn from the back in the back. All right. So um, here's the picture here. Here's the picture that's, that's described in Colossians 3. And this is actually um, a really vital scripture to know. One, for, for worship leaders, I'm glad that Ben is familiar with it, because it describes really the purpose of singing. But more than that, just, just note what it's saying. Let the word of Christ dwell. That word dwell is literally like to in-live in, in scripture, and it's referring to like living in a house. Okay, so when it says dwell, it's talking about living in you like a person would live in a house. So let it dwell in you richly. Let it be just this, this principle within you that dominates you. And then how do we, and, th and then really this, this next piece is what, what happens when that, when that happens. Then we begin to bless other people. There's that fruit, right? We're teaching, we're admonishing one another in all wisdom. We're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts. That's what happens when the word of Christ dwells in us richly. In fact, that's one of the ways that we can make it dwell in us richly is by using music. Um, so that's the, the last picture. But here's just a, f a, a few pictures. I hope that I've painted it a little bit better of a picture why I think this is, in Scripture, it's really talking about more than just reading your Bible, right? It's talking about you need to be so grounded in it, you know it. You know it inside and out, and you don't have to look up a verse, which I do all the time, by the way. It's not the end of the world if you need to like look up where was this verse but so much better if it's ready and you not only know the words of that verse but you know where it is and you can you can recite it with confidence to encourage a brother or sister to use it in the in evangelism um, in fact i want to i want to go over a couple of these these fruits um just really quick just to remind you okay i'm not just saying all right everybody you guys are terrible for not knowing more scripture go learn more so that god is happy with you like, that's not it at all. It's like, there is so much benefit and fruit from doing this. So let's just talk about a couple of them, okay? So the fruit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the fruit. The fruit. Um, so again, if we go back, back up here, these were the results. Actually, yeah, I'm not even going to worry about that. We're going to go over here. Okay. This is, what, this is the result of, of if we do this, if we make this a, a, a practice of our lives, if we make this a discipline, a rhythm that we are constantly doing. We are fruitful and we are resilient. So just to bring up a couple of examples of, of fruitfulness, um, on the one hand, we will have personal fruit. So we can think of like the, the fruit of the Spirit within us is going to grow in us as the Holy Spirit has more and more swords to do his work. Okay, um, and, and that will just produce the love and the kindness and the gentleness and the faithfulness and the goodness, right, in us as we ingest the word of God. And it's relatively simple. Again, I made this point when I, when I opened the series. Godliness is not something that we accomplish within ourselves. It's something that God accomplishes within us. And so the disciplines are not us working on ourselves. That's the weird thing about it. The disciplines are doing the work to put ourselves in a place where God can work on us. 
right? So the discipline is just putting ourselves in front of God. And in this case, putting the word of God into us so that the Holy Spirit can do the work. And then he's the one who changes our hearts. So this is literally just, just get it into you. And, and then he's going to start producing fruit from it. So there's, there's incredible personal fruit. There's also, um, again, from that Colossians 3.16, I'll just say, uh, I'm just going to say church, okay, or corporate fruit. And then this is the idea of, man, you will be such a blessing to your friends and to others in the body of Christ, the better that you know scripture and the more scripture specifically that you have memorized. Because you're going to be a counselor who, in the heat of a moment where, where someone needs literally a word from the Lord, they need encouragement, they need advice and, and biblical wisdom on what to do in a situation, you are going to be a friend who can, who can counsel them in the right direction and do it with confidence. Man, I, I hate all the times that I have to kind of say, well, I think, I think this is the right way, but I can't really support that with Scripture. Like, how much better is it when I can say, you know what? The Word of God says, says this, and I think that might be helpful, right? That is just, it, it moves the conversation from this is my, my personal opinion to this is the inerrant Word of God, right? And that same thing happens in, in the final final area of fruit, which I think is, is really an evangelism, how helpful is it to know scripture, right? And sometimes that can be the, the turning of a conversation and just, because it's, it's the word of God that pierces. It's not our, uh, the strength of our logical arguments that pierces, it's the word of God. And so if we're in an, in an, an evangelistic circumstance, and I use that word, really, I mean, you're talking to your friends, <laughs> right? And, and they happen maybe to not be a believer or you're just not sure, but the degree to which you know the word and you can apply it clearly. It could, be all, it could make the difference. And it's so helpful. For example, uh, we, we were on campus at NC State, and I, at some point in the past, spent some time memorizing a part of Romans 1. And actually, if you were in the Bible study, you know that that's a very valuable passage of Scripture to know because it describes the state of the unbeliever. And it can answer so many questions, and it also prepares you to to address them the right way. Because what it says is that all people are ultimately suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. So there's, you, can, you can appeal to some part of them that knows God because God has revealed himself to them in the things that are made, right? And his uh, divine nature, uh, his, his power and divine nature are clearly perceived in the things that have been made. And so you can appeal to that and say, look, the word of God says that you do know something about God. But that truth has been suppressed. You've suppressed that in unrighteousness, and God has given you over to those desires. And so suddenly, it just changes the conversation because you're, you're kind of stripping away all of those arguments, and you're saying, look, this is what the Word of God says. And it's not, here's my opinion, right? It's, here's what, here's what God says. So, so, so valuable. Um, and so here's, that, that really summarizes the, the first uh, benefit. The second one would be that we're resilient, right? So uh, its leaf doesn't wither. That's what we're talking about when we go back to, to where we got this. This tree, it yields its fruit and its leaf doesn't wither. Why would it mention that? Well, it's because all of us know what it's like to wither under trials, right? And it's saying, look, if you want strength in the midst of those trials, go to the Word of God and internalize it. And it is going to fortify you from the inside out, so that no matter what comes at you from the outside, on the inside, you are being constantly nourished and hydrated by the word of God. And 
Uh, I'm sure each of you can, can think of examples of this, right? Where the word of God is just the thing that you need in those circumstances of, of trial. Uh, for me, there was a time, a very dark period when I was in college. I had broken my leg, and I was really struggling in my relationship with Kate. Ultimately, uh, she would break up with me for good reasons. And I had a bunk bed, of all things. And someone had stolen my mattress. So I literally had a pad of foam that I was trying to sleep on. It was just the worst. And, uh, and, and on top of all of that, I was just struggling with depression and anxiety. And it was just like, it was dark. And so I can literally just remember times when I would be laying in my bed. But what I did, sorry, what I did was I put Philippians 4, a few verses uh, of the, of, in the first part of Philippians, on my wall. And it's that part that says, rejoice always. Again, I say, rejoice. The Lord is at hand. And I would just, I literally can remember laying in my bed and just staring at the wall and just being like, Lord, I'm trying to rejoice. This is terrible. And uh, the Lord met me in that ultimately, right? He didn't, he didn't relieve all the pain right away, but he did meet me in that. But that, that scripture was just life. I needed it, right? And now looking back on that, I'm like, Paul, like, why didn't you memorize that? And ultimately I did, just because it was on my wall. And that was just one way. It's almost like writing it on the doorposts of your house, like it says in Deuteronomy 6. That's a good way to do it, is just to put it up somewhere that you see it constantly. Um, but again, I'm sure that you can relate to that. If you're not going through a trial right now, you will. And when it comes, are you going to have the arsenal of spiritual swords to fight the battle to keep your joy and to keep your trust in the Lord. Like now is the time, whether you're in a trial or not, to, to stock the arsenal, if you will, right? Fortify yourself with the, with the word of God. Um, and I think one of the best ways to do it is through memorization. Uh, so, I'm gonna finish here with just a couple of practical couple practical considerations, I'll call them, okay? Here's some excuses I've heard, and I know I've made these too, okay? So in case you have some excuses about memorizing, all right? Number one, it's I don't have a good memory. Well, no one does. So uh, odds are your memory is average, just like everybody else's. And you can train yourself to memorize really anything. If you've, if you've remembered the names of your friends, and you've learned the words of a few songs that you really like, and you can quote movies to some degree, I think that you can memorize the Word of God. I'm, I'm pretty convinced, right? And uh, a good illustration of this, there is a guy named Joshua Four. He wrote a book on memorization. He was a, sec a secular author, journalist, but one of the crazy things he did was he visited the, the national competition for memorization. Um, I think it's called the National Memory Contest or something like that. And he was just a journalist, checked it out one year, and thought, this is crazy. These guys have to be geniuses. And instead, what he found was they were all just like normal people who just had these crazy techniques, and they had just trained themselves to memorize things, right? And it was crazy. And so he said, well, okay. And so they were trying to convince him, look, we're just normal dudes and, and women, uh, mostly weird dudes, who, uh, who just like spend a ton of time learning how to memorize things. And so, well, to spoiler alert, but he... Uh, he basically spends one year training himself. And he even has tests done to prove that he's a totally normal, average person. And he wins that competition after a year of training. It's crazy, 
all right? Like he's memorizing decks of cards in like a minute and a half, right? Like an entire just deck of cards and memorizing verses of poetry and like things like that. And so I think that we just underestimate our own minds, the minds that God has given us. Um, and if, again, if that's true, if we can train ourselves to do this, then why aren't we, if we, if we believe also the things that the word says about itself, literally in all that he does, he prospers. Can you imagine, okay, this actually is the next excuse. It takes too much time. Okay, this is true. It does take time. But what if you were to go to a, a bookstore and you saw a, a book on the shelf that commended, just, well, it just said like, okay, this is the way to prosper in everything you do, all right? And for some reason, it was like a really reputable author, and everyone kept on saying, like, you got to read this book. And the, and the trick is just this one thing that you have to do for 15 minutes a day. That's all it takes, and it literally revolutionizes your life, right? You, you might be willing to listen at that point, except for that maybe your red flags are going off, like, this is a lie, all right? But this is the Bible, <laughs> okay? And the Bible is saying this will revolutionize your life. This will change your life. Um, so yes, it's a time commitment, but if you take the Bible seriously, then it's worth it. And lastly, um, okay, I read the Bible daily, but I, so I don't need to, right? What's the benefit of memorizing, right? And I think I've kind of more or less covered it, but in the course of memorizing something, you're going to understand it. And until you know something so well that you can quote it, you probably don't know it uh, to the depth that it could be understood, Right? And once you do memorize it, suddenly you have the ability to walk away and continue meditating on it, continue thinking it through. And so there's just incredible benefit to actually understanding Scripture, starting with memorization. I'm not going to tell you that by memorizing it, you'll suddenly understand it. No, but memorizing it is the first step, or it's a really good step to actually understanding Scripture. So a couple practical suggestions. All right, I know I'm going a little bit long here, so I want to let you guys um, get some popcorn. But um, first, the principle of repetition. If you memorize a verse today and then you don't recite it for a week, you don't have it memorized next week, right? And there are some really good uh, just like tips and tricks on, okay, you have to be reviewing these things for a really long time, okay? So for example, I did memorize Genesis 1 through 3. Uh, in the beginning of the year. It took me about the whole spring semester. Already, I haven't been repeating it since then, and I would fail the test if I tried to recite it to you. And so it's back on my to-do list, like, okay, I need to go back and start reviewing that again. And so I mentioned this PDF that was given to me. The, the guy who wrote this on memorizing whole books of the Bible recommends 100 days of reciting the entire book every day, okay? And once you've done that, then it might be stored in, like, long-term memory, uh, for, for a very, very long time, right? But even then, he says, if you don't review it, then you, you're not, it's not going to stick. So there comes a point with memorization that uh, the, I think a good analogy for it is you're going to spend more time sharpening swords than getting new swords, right? You're going to spend more time just remembering those, but that's not time lost, right? You're actually going to deepen your understanding as you do that. So yes, it takes a ton of repetition. Imagery is really helpful. I'll just say that. We tend, this is one of the things that I took away from that book, if you can associate a word or a verse or something with an image, you're going to remember it way better, okay? And so you can memorize things more quickly, so spend less time on it, if you either create a mental image of it, of it or you can literally draw on the page something that helps you remember what that verse is, okay? 
Um, principle of commitment means uh, if you actually write down a goal, you're far more likely to, to meet it. Okay? So writing down, this is what I want, this is what I commit to. All right? I'm going to commit to a year of learning one verse every week, and I'm going to put it in this journal. That's the, that, I think that's one of the best things that you can do. Write it down, and then the final thing is accountability. Um, memorization is so much easier when you have others that are holding you accountable to it, right? And so just going at your own, more than likely you're going to burn out before, late, before long. Um, but if you get a group together and you say, guys, let's, let's just try and do one verse a week. We're going to do the same one together, and we're going to hold each other accountable to this. Um, you're going to start to get the word of God into you. And again, the benefits of that are just massive. They're massive. So, um, we're going to close here. But I'm going to close with a challenge. All right. You guys ready? Draw my sword. Here we go. All right. First challenge. Here's the, here's the challenge. I would challenge you that for the rest of the summer, and really, again, we're going through these rhythms. The goal of this is not just to, like, well, I don't know. I'll tell you what the goal is. The goal is that we we remind ourselves and one another about the importance of these spiritual disciplines and that we begin to put them into practice over the course of the summer, not just for the summer, but to essentially get momentum and then carry that into the next whatever you're doing in the fall, semester of school, work, whatever it is you're doing, right? Um, we need momentum, and uh, there's going to be a hiccup right as school starts that is going to be probably the toughest part of actually keeping that momentum going. But again, think of if you keep some of these disciplines going through December, be so valuable, okay? So I want you to think long-term. But with each of these disciplines, we're going to be talking more about things like prayer or giving or service. My, my hope for you would be that wherever you're at with it, that you try to take just one step deeper into it, okay? So if you literally have no scripture memorized, then just say, okay, I'm going to try and memorize one verse of scripture and know it really well in the next two weeks, Right? Make it something that's attainable, essentially. But if you're someone that's like, I've actually gotten a lot, then by all means, okay, say, okay, I'm going to memorize Romans over the next year. Sweet, all right? Um, so that's the goal, really, of why we're doing this whole thing. Um, so my challenge to you guys would be at least, yeah, I'm going to say this. My hope would be that each person in this room would commit to memorizing one verse a day for the summer. Or no, excuse me, that's a lot. One verse a week. <laughs> I, I misspoke. One verse a week. And, uh, and for when we have these, I'm going to try and give you a, a recommended verse, essentially. Okay? That comes from, from whatever we're talking about. Um, if you want to do more, then I would challenge you to memorize Psalm 1 by next week. Okay? Psalm 1 is, again, just fantastic. And not that long. Six verses. That's about one verse a day. It has a lot of imagery. It has a lot of handholds. You can totally do it. Final challenge. By the end of the summer, come and talk to me if you're interested in, Ro in memorizing all of Romans chapter 8. Okay? It's one of the best books in the entire Bible. It's powerful. It's deep. Uh, I've never memorized it. And so I'm thinking, you know what? That'd be pretty sweet. And it'll also be a challenge. Okay? So if you're interested in taking up that challenge, I am prepared to buy you Chick-fil-A, all right, at the very least. That would be pretty sweet. Um, so, or maybe this is a Chick-fil-A gift card. But if anyone can actually do that by the end of the summer, then uh, I will give you a Chick-fil-A gift card probably. I was, gonna think, I was thinking I'd bring it to here, but Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. 
so that's too bad. Um, so there you go. There's my challenge to you. I would just I would encourage you to pick one of these challenges, okay? The first one is one verse a week. The second one is Psalm 1 this week. And if you're really feeling inspired, Romans chapter 8 this summer. All right. Thanks, y'all. Let's pray. I'm going to invite the band up, and we're going to close with a song. Heavenly Father, um, I am humbled before you, Father. I, I pray that you humble me before you. Um, and I'm humbled by the, the promises you make, Lord, about your word. Um, I pray that I would take them seriously. I pray that each person in this room would take them seriously. When you speak of your word, when you speak of the, this, the incredible high importance you place on it, um, not only of reading it, Lord, but ultimately the purpose of reading it, which is to internalize it. And so um, I do pray, Lord, that this would be the beginning of a, a discipline of, of writing the words of Scripture on our hearts that we carry on for the rest of our lives so we can be like some of those people that we know who know so much Scripture and are so full of the joy of the Lord as a result. Um, and I, I pray, Lord, that that's what we would see here. That's, that's, uh, that's what we would pursue, just like Psalm 1 paints this picture of a person who delights in the law of God and meditates on it day and night. Would you give us strength, Lord, and uh, ultimately uh, would you wield those swords um, within us for our sanctification and ultimately your glory. Uh, we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You guys can stand on up. We're going to sing one more song.